This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. We've been in this series called Church in the Wild. We've been talking about what it means to be the church out in the world, out in the wild. And the first week we talked about unleashing our roar. We talked about God's furious love and how he wants us as the people of God and the church of God in the earth today to unleash our love upon others. And then last week, how many of you were here last week when Pastor Jim Shadler was with us? What a treat to hear from Pastor Jim. He's such a great teacher, such a great communicator. I love when he comes because he always brings a unique and divine perspective that I don't always have. And so he's such a great compliment to this house. And Jim, if you're watching, we're so thankful for you. We honor you and we thank you for your internal investment into Courageous Church. And then tonight, I want to talk to you about this message that I'm calling Unloose Your Bonds. Unloose Your Bonds. And so if you're there in Isaiah 58, say I'm there. Almost convinced me. I'm going to start tonight in the NLT, and then I'm going to switch to the ESV, okay? So I'm going to do something a little unique and a little different. But I like the way the NLT, the New Living Translation, renders this first couple of verses. Verse 1, it says this, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Say, shout! Shout! Shout aloud and don't be timid. Tell my people, Israel, of their sins. Whoa. (laughs) All right, hold on, Pastor Jason. We got all excited about the shout part until we learned it was about our sin. Here's God announcing to the prophet Isaiah the word that he has for the people of God. And it's a corrective word. It's a challenging word. It's an open rebuke of the way that the people of God have been sinning against the Lord. And what does God tell Isaiah to do? To shout, to get a little loud to grab a hold of their attention. And in the same way tonight, I want the Lord to grab a hold of our attention. I want him to speak directly into our hearts. I I want you to be ready to receive the corrective rebuke and challenge of the Lord. Because how many of you guys know the word of God is not just a story about them, but it's a story about us. It was written for them, but it's for us today. And so we can receive it as such. That's our conviction. And here's the rebuke. Are you ready for it? Verse two. Yet they act so pious and they come to church every day and they seem so delighted to learn all about me. And they act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. And they ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. Say pretending. So here's Israel going to temple every day, learning all about God, going through the motions, pretending to want to be near him. And there's been no response from the Lord. There's been no move of God. Why do you think that is? Because they've been acting. They've been play acting. They've been conducting theater in the name of God. They've been acting like a righteous nation. They've been pretending to want to draw close. And the Lord sees this and he sees their emotions and he sees the way that they've been courting secret sin and they've making accommodations for transgression within their very own heart. Right now, this is the church in America. Just going to put that out there. 
Right now, this is the church, the state of the church in America. And we see it alluded to in, in what I'm calling echoes tonight. Echoes. And I want to point out a couple of these because I believe the Lord wants to speak to us. Number one, we see echoes of this in America right now by the way that people have acted piously. In other words, we've put on a good show. We've tried to appear holy even at times. Like we've got all the answers. Come on, somebody. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said this about the play actors. He said, these people honor me with their lips. We just did a big series about honor. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Matthew 15, verse eight. These people like to put on a good show and they act piously, but they're pretenders. They're play actors. The word that Jesus actually uses is hypocrites. Hypocrite is the Greek word for one who wears the mask. And it's borrowed from Greek drama or Greek tragedy. If you guys remember back in the day, they didn't have CGI and special effects. They didn't have a big costume department and cinematographers ready to kind of put on the makeup and do all the stuff. Back then, they would have a couple different masks to express different emotions. And so you'd see this where they'd put on the sad mask or they'd put on the happy mask. They were doing what? They were putting on masks. They were being hypocrites or hypocrites. That's actually, the term is actually borrowed from those that act, who put on theater. And Jesus here is saying, woe to you who honor me like this, who pay me lip service, but don't worship me from the heart. In fact, your heart is so disconnected from the equation, it's far from me. Church, may we never be a people for whom this is true, who come into this place and gather throughout the week and pay Jesus lip service, but whose hearts are actually far from him. Number two, the, the second echo of what we see in Isaiah in the church today is this. They seem delighted to learn all about him. They seem delighted. They seemed that way. What does Isaiah 29 verse 13, the same context, say? It says this, and their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules or traditions. So even the, the going through the motions and the play acting is from a place not positioned in love, not positioned in a heart that says, God, I want you. God, I need you. God, I'm desperate for you. But from a heart that says, well, this is how we can manage our sin and manage God and manage our religion and do our stuff and go through the motions. And so God is correcting them in this. I think in a lot of ways, we can relate to this because we have consumed a lot of information. We've consumed sermon after sermon and then we're frustrated and we're, we're stuck and we haven't seen it lead to the kind of power and the kind of transformation that we want and envision for our lives and for our families and for our cities. Number three, we've acted at times like a righteous nation, like a righteous nation. Here's what he says in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 15. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or even favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Church, have we always judged our neighbors fairly? Have we shown favoritism to the great and wealthy? You know we have. Have we showed partiality to the poor and oppressed? Yeah, you know we have. We haven't always judged fairly. And as a result, we've turned our back on the poor. We've turned our back on the needy. And we've forsaken the judgments of God. The very judgments that were intended to bring us closer to him. 
that were, tend, that were intended to bring us to our knees in holy repentance. You guys, I want to tell you something tonight. Repentance is not a dirty word. We've made it into a dirty word. We've made it into a scary word. But repentance is beautiful. You know why repentance is beautiful? Repentance is beautiful when it's motivated by the spirit of God coming out and flowing out of the heart and kindness of God to bring us into alignment with who he's created us to be in the very first place. The reason why we get frustrated and stuck and don't experience the life that we read about and see in the scriptures, for some of you, you've been following Jesus, but your life lacks power because you actually haven't repented of your old ways and you're going back to it as a man returns to his, his folly like a dog returns to its vomit. You keep going back to that life of secret sin and shame and you're stuck there and you're stuck in this cycle of condemnation like a merry-go-round like merry out of hell and you don't know how to get off of it because you haven't embraced the beauty of repentance. Repentance is turning 180 degrees in the opposite direction. It's turning away from a life of sin and turning toward your creator God. It's turning away from the idolatry trap and the seductions of the enemy and turning toward the love of a father who couldn't care less about your past or the mistakes you've made, but does care about the decisions you make today. He cares about it. And so what have we done? We've seen grace as a license to sin. And so we trample his grace and we trample his love and we, we trample the holy things of God thinking that it's not gonna catch up to us. It's not gonna, we're not gonna have to pay a price, but we do. Because sin and the wages of it always leads to death. It'll bring about death of your dream. It'll bring about death to your hopes and the things that you want, the things that you desire of God but it's not supposed to be that way. And, and we see this in Romans chapter two, verse four in the NLT. It says, don't you see church people of God? Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? You guys, I have seen the patience and tolerance of God in my own life. And I've seen over the course of these last two years with everything that's been going on with COVID-19, how patient the Lord has been with the church to get her act together to stop play acting and pretending, to take off the mask and to get real and to repent and to move forward. And this is the call. And why does this mean nothing to you, he says? Can't you see that God's kindness is intended to do what? To turn you away from your sin. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not the duty and the obligation of God. It's not the harshness of God. It's not even his wrath, although we all deserve it. It's his kindness. It's the manner in which God has been so kind to you. And some of you guys need to stop flirting with sin. Stop pretending that it's not an issue and a stronghold in your life. Stop coming down to the altar to ask somebody to pray for you and start repenting and get serious about God. I know this wasn't a happy, touchy-feely message tonight, but this is the word of the Lord for the church. It's to get serious about him. It's to draw closer to him. And you know what I love about drawing close in repentance? It ushers us into the presence of God with a clean conscience and a pure heart. It allows the washing of the word to come and to, to regenerate our lives and to cleanse our lives. And it's a beautiful thing. It doesn't have to be scary. In this next season as a church, I believe God wants to highlight to each and every one of us areas where we need to repent. 
where we need to get serious about God, where we need to turn our back to the old things and we need to embrace the new. We need to stop going back to it. And you guys, I'm, I'm on this quest right now every day. Every day, the Lord is inviting me into a lifestyle of personal repentance where I'm picking up my cross and I'm learning to die daily to my selfishness, to my selfish wants, to my selfish ambitions, to the things that I think I actually need when in reality, those things are just entanglements. What does Paul say, or what does the writer of Hebrews say, I should say? It says, cast off all the weights and the snares that so easily entangle, right? That's sin. And do what? Run. Run the race before you. You guys, Courageous Church is called to freaking run in this city. We're called to run. But you know when it's going to start to happen? When you guys cast off the restraints and the sin that so easily ensnares you. When you start getting serious about it, because I could preach a thousand sermons, and I will, bless God. But when you and I accept the call to personally repent, to get serious and go, you know what, Lord? I'm sick and tired of this thing being an issue in my life. And many of you were, were handed a bag of stones. Your parents handed you a bag of rocks, a bag that you've been carrying around with you your whole life, all this baggage, this heavy burden Maybe it's a generational curse. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a, it's a habit or a hangup or something that wasn't yours to carry. And you've been carrying it. And God says, no more, no longer. You know when I started to get the revelation in this? When I had kids. Because I started to see the effects of the stuff that I wasn't dealing with in them. And some of you have been carrying around the effects of stuff that your parents didn't deal with, but you get to be the one that breaks it. You get to be the one that changes it. You get to be the one that says, I'm going to draw a line, and this ain't a line that we're going to cross anymore. Because I'm not going back. And I'm not going to put that on my children's children. I'm not going to put that on the generations that God has called me to be a hope and a light to and to disciple well. And that's the calling of this church. And if you call Courageous Church home, I want to say, get ready. Because God's about to turn up the heat in this place. He's about to make it uncomfortable for us to hide and camouflage our wounds and our baggage and our sin and our secrets. That's the invitation. And number four, we've seen echoes of this, even in the way that we fasted and prayed. We fasted and prayed from a position of posturing. Listen to what Isaiah 58 verse 3 goes on to say. The people, we have fasted before you, they say. And why aren't you impressed, God? Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves. Some of you came, come out of real religious backgrounds, right? Where you've been real hard on yourself, thinking that that's what God wants. And it says you didn't even notice it. And you didn't even notice that the people's response is often what our response becomes. When we think that we have to impress God with our spiritual motions, in reality, all it is is posturing. You guys know what posturing is? Posturing is another form of play acting and pretending. It's trying to appear like you've got it all together. Can I tell you something? It's time for the church to get honest about the fact that we don't have it all together. Pastor Jason doesn't have it all together. I'm a work in progress, and so are you. But you know what impedes the work of God and the movement of God in the church? When we keep 
praying and fasting and going through the spiritual motions from a place of posturing as if we're going to impress God. And he says, you don't, you don't know that you're, I'm not even impressed by that. That stuff doesn't even move me. You want to know what moves me? We're going to get to it in just a second. Proverbs chapter six, verse 16 through 19 says this. There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. And what's the very first thing on the list, you guys? Haughty eyes. You know what haughty eyes is? It's pride. It's posturing. It's trying to pretend like you got it all together. It's like pretending that your stuff doesn't stink, right? That's posturing. And he says he hates it. In fact, he doesn't just hate it, he detests it. When the Lord says things like, this is what I hate, we need to take heed of that. We need to be careful. We need to be aware of what God is wanting to say. God is not interested in the way that we try to impress him with our spiritual life, our praying, our fasting. And he tells us why. 58 verse 3, as I promised, I would tell you the rest. I will tell you why. Go ahead and put it up there. I'll tell you why I'm not impressed with it. It's because you're fasting to please yourself. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing people. You keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling with your wife and with your husband? <laughs> this kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. It'll never get you anywhere with me. And then he goes on to say this, verse five, you humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance and you bow your head like reeds bending in the wind and you dress up and burl up and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? What is God doing here? He's calling attention to the outward way. The people have been trying to convince God that they're serious about him. And yet this wasn't what God was after at all. What is God after? What does he really want for us, church? He goes on to tell us in the very next verse. Now we're going to switch over to the ESV. Isaiah 58, 67. Is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every chain or every yoke of bondage? He wants you to unloose your bonds. He wants you to unloose your bonds. This is what he wants for us, to undo every strap that is holding us back, to break free from the weight of, of oppressive forces and addictions and sins, to get out from underneath the weight that we've been under. And some of you guys are walking around with crooked backs because you're carrying so much weight that Jesus never intended for you to carry. He says, come unto me, those of you who are heavy laden and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. It's time for us to trust the Messiah to do what the Messiah has always wanted to do, which is to take your care, to take your burden, to take your sin, to take your shame. And guess where he's going to take it? Right to Calvary, right to the cross, where it's going to be nailed and done with once and for all. It's time for us to stop going back to the graveyard and digging up those sins and digging up all that stuff that Jesus died for. It's time for us to stop entertaining ourselves with the very thing that drove the nails through his hands and feet. making idols out of our entertainment, when in reality those very things blaspheme the heart of God and blaspheme the very purpose for which he sent his son to die on your behalf. 
and mine. He wants us to go free because when you go free, you can help others go free. You can't bring people out of a prison that you're still in. And for many of you, this is the call of your life. For my parents, that was the call. They were the first people in their family to serve and follow the Lord. That was a generational changing moment for my kids. They didn't know it at the time that they're saying yes to Jesus and they're saying no to cocaine and partying and adultery and drinking and all the stuff that they were up to. They didn't realize that they're saying no to that and yes to Jesus was actually setting my children up to have a shot at this thing called life. And for some of you, you're the product of, of, a, of a family member or a friend or somebody who made that decision. Maybe you came to faith and you're the first Christian in your family and you're the one who gets to say, no longer, Satan. Maybe that's your story here tonight. And if it is, I just celebrate that with you. And I want to encourage you, what you do with your faith matters. Because there are lives attached to it. There are people waiting in prisons whose freedom is attached to you going free. Men, when you get free from pornography, you're going to help other men get free from pornography. Come on, somebody. And I know it's not just an issue with men. So ladies, if that's you tonight, come on. The challenge is there too. If your issue is alcoholism or dependency on drugs or dependency on substances or whatever that looks like, there are people waiting down the halls of time for you to get free so that you can bring them freedom. Jesus said this. He said that the anointing is on my life. I've been anointed for this purpose, to set the captives free. He comes out of the desert, out of this time of testing. 40 days, you guys know the story, right? Hasn't had any food. He's been fasting. The devil comes to him. He tempts him three times. Jesus declares with, with the word of God three times. The angels minister to Jesus. Jesus comes out of the desert and he goes right into the synagogue and he opens up the Bible to Isaiah 61 and he says this. Let me, put, let me just read it for you guys tonight. He says this. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to all who are bound. Are you bound tonight? Jesus wants you to go free. Do you know people that are bound? Jesus wants them to go free. This is the anointing that's on Jesus. It's the anointing that's on the church. It's the mission of God to seek and to save that which is lost, to bring people out of their prisons, out of their darkness, out of their shame, out of their condemnation, to get them off the, the merry-go-round that goes around and around in circles for generations. And then he goes on to say this, and I've been anointed to proclaim the Lord's favor in the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn and to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness. God wants to rewrite your story. And if you're watching online or listening to this podcast, God wants to rewrite your story. He wants you to go free. He wants you to unloose your bonds. And this is the calling of Courageous Church. This is why Canis and I gave up comfort and convenience to move to Salt Lake City four years ago to do this. Because we could hear 
the voice of a generation crying out saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I tried this religion and I tried that religion and I tried this group and I tried that group, but none of it has taken me out of prison. None of it set me free. None of it's brought me hope, healing, courage, or life, and I'm still bound. That's why we're here, church. That's the mission. That's why we're doing what we're doing. So that others can go free, so that others can know this hope that we have, this healing that we possess, this courage that rises up within our hearts and this life that God calls us to. Listen to what happens when the people of God go free. Verse eight, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily and your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, then you shall pray church and the Lord will actually answer your prayers and you will cry out and he will say, here I am. Some of you have been praying and you haven't seen the results and you haven't seen the answers and you haven't seen these things happen because you're still stuck in Isaiah 58 verses one through five. You're still bound and he wants you to go free so that your light can be seen before all men and so that they, having seen your light, will glorify our Father in heaven and go free themselves so that they can experience the healing that we talk about, so that they can see our righteousness and our being rooted in the reality of who we are as sons and daughters of the Most High God and then experience the glory of the Lord, the tangible presence and power made manifest among us and then to experience answered prayers where God says, hey, I'm here, let's go! I wonder if we as a church in America could get hungry for this reality again. I wonder if we'd be willing to shut the door on our sin and turn our backs to it and move forward so that our light could be seen before all. I mean, just look at the promises, you guys. Light, healing, righteousness, glory. Light, healing, righteousness, glory. Answered prayer, the presence of God himself. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that why we're here? Isn't that what we're seeking? I think the answer is yes. But it starts with repentance. It starts with repentance. And repentance leads to reformation. And reformation leads to restoration. Listen to what God says next, verse nine. Here it is. If you take away the yoke, if you, church, people of God, Take away the yoke from your midst. If you get out from under the weight of that sin and that stuff that so easily entangles you and ensnares you and the pointing of the finger, it's their fault. It's politics fault. It's the president's fault. It's the mayor's fault. It's my dad's fault. It's my mom's fault. It's the, right? If you put away the pointing of the finger and you take away the yoke and you stop speaking wickedness, you start using your mouth not to curse, but to bless. If you pour yourself out for the hungry, for those that are in our community that need food and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, those that are in immense pain, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noon day. It's conditional. If you, and then he says this, verse 11, and the Lord, let's actually hold on on that for a second. If you make that choice, go back one. 
if you make that choice, if you pour yourself out, if, 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 if we decide to do this. You see, guys, God's not going to do this for us. He's not going to make you repent. He's not going to force you to do anything. We have to make the choice. But he says, if you do this, if you take away the yoke, in other words, if you unloose your bonds, then your light will rise in the darkness. Years ago, my wife had a prophetic dream about shining light in the middle of a dark, dark forest. And it became a big part of our story, a big part of the mandate that we've been carrying for the last five to seven years of our life. And it flows right out of the promise of God for his church in Isaiah 60, verse one. It says, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. If you arise, if you shine, then the glory of the Lord will be seen upon you. It's conditional. It's about us deciding and making a decision to say no more, not on our watch. And as the pastor of this church, I'm standing before you tonight saying no more, not on my watch. Watch what happens when the people of God begin to rise and shine. Look what God says he'll do next in verse 11. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. And he'll make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Repentance always leads to what? Reformation. Reformation. I want you to see all of the reformation or the reforming work of God in this. What is God doing? He's satisfying the desires of your heart in scorched places. He's making your bones strong. He's coming and he's reestablishing your strength so that you can be a watered garden. I mean, just the, the imagery is just dripping with life and strength and reformation power. A spring of water whose waters do not fail regardless of whether it gets a little dry, regardless of what happens with inflation, regardless of what happens with gas, regardless of what happens with the wars in the world, regardless of what happens, this is the promise of God for us, church. And I'm sorry if I'm a little passionate tonight, but I feel this burning in me because I believe this is what he wants for the church and for courageous church. Repentance always leads to reformation and it always leads to restoration. Verse 12, what does it look like? Here it is and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. And you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. You guys, I want this to be Courageous Church's identity. When they look at us, they go, there goes the repairer of the breach. There goes the restorers of the streets. There goes the ones that are willing to raise up the foundations of the next generation that aren't just going to give them the problem and kick the freaking can down the street and say, oh, well, I guess they'll deal with it 20, 30 years from now. No, we got to step into the gap and we got to say no more. I'm tired of seeing children get bullied. I'm tired of seeing children take their own lives. I'm tired of seeing the weight of oppression exist in this valley. We got to push back. God has called us to do this, to raise up the foundations, to repair the walls, to restore the streets. You know what this picture is? It's a picture of a people who are free, walking in their divine calling and mandate and purpose to be the people of God. That's us. That's Courageous Church. 
Prophetically speaking, I believe that God wants to do this. He wants to raise up reformers and restorers. Reformers and restorers. That just might be you. I wonder if I'm talking to any reformers tonight. Any Martin Luthers who are willing to take their 95 theses and pound it onto the, the door of the church and say no more. I wonder if I'm talking to any restorers who are willing to say, you know what, I can build, I can grab this brick, I can take this, I can begin to repair here, I can stand in this gap for this family member or for this friend or for this neighbor, I can restore, I can rebuild, Lord. Reformation, restoration, that's our inheritance. That's what he's calling this church to do and to bring to our city. In the next few weeks, you're going to hear Pastor Candice and I talk a little bit about how the Lord wants us to do this specifically in this valley. And for those of you that are part of our team, you're going to hear a lot about that this Tuesday at 7 p.m. Another plug. You guys, this is the inheritance. This is what we're called to do. This is what God wants us to walk in. But you can't walk in it if you're still stuck in Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 3. You're still bound. Listen, I'm, I'm not here tonight to, to preach a feel-good message. I'm here tonight to bring the word of the Lord. And like I said, this is a personal invitation to every one of us. Daily. God, what do you want to do in me? What have I said yes to that I need to say no to? What secret sins have I been secretly courting and making accommodations for within the realm of my heart? God, where have I handed, been handed a story that's not mine and I believed it? Where have I come into alignment with false lies that were spoken over my life? God, where have I accepted things that my parents or maybe their parents failed to take a stand for? What are those areas in your life? Only the Holy Spirit can tell you. Only God through his convicting power can illuminate that in your life. But here's what I believe. If you'll yield, if you'll say, Lord, I need you. Apart from you, I can't do anything. My righteousness is like filthy rags before you. My pretending and my play acting, God, you see right through it. Lord, I know there's nothing that's hidden that won't ultimately be revealed. There's nothing that's hidden that won't be shouted from the rooftops. So today, I just surrender, God. I just humble myself. I turn from my wicked ways. I turn from the entertaining of things, Lord, that has led me into bondage. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd come and set me free. If this is you tonight, I just want you to pray with me. And you can do it right from where you're sitting. You can step out of your chair. You can stand up. Whatever the Lord is telling you to do right now, I want you to do that. But God, on behalf of this church that you've called me to pastor and to lead, Lord, I just humbly submit myself. And Lord, all the areas where we've gone through the motions or where we've lost heart or where we've been discouraged, Lord, I just repent. Areas, Lord, where we've thought it was too difficult or too hard, Lord, I just repent. Because God, you're not interested in people that can't, Lord. You're interested in faith. You're interested in the people, Lord, that are willing to say, but Lord, you can. And God, I'm, I'm declaring tonight over this church that you will. Over every life, Lord, over every son of God in this place tonight, I pray that you would loose the bonds of pornography in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
Lord, that these men would see these women as precious daughters and sisters, that they would see them as your bride. Lord, for the daughters of Zion in this place today, Lord, that, that have been trashed or abused, God, I just pray your healing power. I'm just speaking to that woman tonight who was trashed at an early age. You're just given a, a story that was never yours. Things were spoken over you and done to you that you should have never endured. And tonight, the Lord is going to bring healing to you right where you sit, right where you stand. Lord, for those that have been under the weight of oppression, God, I pray that you would bring freedom. You'd break that yoke. You'd undo that strap of bondage. In Jesus' name. Lord, for anybody in this room that doesn't know you, that they would experience your kindness, God, right now. In Jesus' name. They experience the kindness of a father who loves without condition, who's relentless in their pursuit of our heart. Jesus, that's you. You pursued us even in our worst, and yet you still are knocking. You're still seeking. You're still walking amongst your lampstand, your church. You're doing so to repair and to restore and to renew and to refresh, God, that which the enemy tried to snuff out, that which the lies tried to overpower. And so, God, I just pray in these moments, Lord, right now, Lord, we're here tonight because we want you, Jesus. We want you, Holy Spirit, to come. I'm sick of seeing a generation of young people, Lord God, walk down the path, Lord, that you died for them not to have to walk down. So, Lord, would you give us the courage? Would you give us the strength to turn the page, to turn away, to repent, to not look back, but to move forward in faith, trusting that your grace is sufficient. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.